Hello, and Hello. welcome to the Macaw, Macaw Podcast, Podcast Universe. Universe. Uh, it's me, Micah Macaw. And me, Jordan Macaw. And we are tackling a series as we do. That is what this show is. We tackle series. Film series. Film series. It's got to have three, and we just try and uh, we just see what's good about it, what isn't. We're... We are here to exist to prove people wrong when they say the sequels are never better than the originals. That is our whole goal, is to find series that are actually cohesive and good all the way around. And maybe why they're not. Yeah, yeah. And um, this is no exception. We're covering the Toy Story series. And last night I realized, and listener, I would love to hear from you. You can either comment in our iTunes or you could just message me or Jordan on Instagram. I think this might be the only series that does not have a bad entry in it all the way through. Um, or or at least, like, I, I don't think anyone really is like, oh, one toy, like, these two toy stories are good, but this one sucks. Of course, there are opinions and stuff like that. But I think this is a perfect series. and We like to make sweeping statements. We on like this. to make sweeping statements. And I'd love to hear if you have any suggestions. But when we think about like Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit's technically a part of it. Or Star Wars, there's a lot of weird stuff in there. Um, so uh, this might be the best. It's at least the best one that we're covering. Mm-hmm. And there are so series far. like Mad Max that I like all of them. And I think they're all good. But the dip in quality from two to three is substantial. And then the uptick tick in four is crazy. Is three the one with Tina Turner? Yeah. Okay. But but four is like way better than all other three by like a long shot. And yeah. in this this series, there isn't really... I think two is the best. But if someone says they like another one more, it's not like, wait, did you miss something? Well, yeah, I, I think I, this is like this... I think really the second time I've seen Toy Story 3. Mm-hmm. And I think I was like... I don't know. I just remember. I don't know what I'm trying to say. Like the first time I saw it, I really liked it, but it's kind of like you forget about it. So you're, I'm like, this is going to be fun because it's Pixar and it's Toy Story and I'm going to like it. Yeah. And we're watching. I'm like, this is amazing. Yeah. It's, I guess you got to put a 10 out of 10 out of this one too. I know. So far rewatching the series, it's, it's a 10 out of 10 for Toy Story, 10 out of 10 for Toy Story 2 and a 10 out of 10 for Toy Story 3. Because, of course, you can make little minor adjustments, but there's nothing major wrong in any of these movies. And then I'm thinking about Toy Story 4. We haven't rewatched it yet, and I'm like, I can't imagine. I mean, that movie's so good, and I think I like it more than I like Toy Story 3, which Mm -hmm. means it's 10 out of 10. It's a perfect series. (laughs) I love the series. So should I just jump straight away into it? Okay. So this movie is directed by Lee Unk. Unkrick, who's been one of the Toy Story guys this whole time. Um, if you listen back to our previous two episodes, you'll hear all about him. And if you haven't, our Toy Story episode with Daniel Grissom is our best episode. I'm trying to say it again and again. Um, it's co-directed. Oh, oh, no, he was the co-director of Toy Story 2, Monsters, Inc., and Finding Nemo. Um, and he also directed Coco. So if it, oh. <laughs> say no more about this guy. Um, story by John Lasseter and Andrew Stanton and Lee Unkrich. And then the screenplay is by Michael Arendt, A-R-E-N-D-T, Arendt, Arendt, and he did... Arndt? Arndt? Arndt. Arndt? Uh, he did Oblivion and Inside Out and The Force Awakens. Those are some of his screenplay credits. Hmm. Just kind of an odd mix of movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, music's by Randy Newman and like in all of them, but this one out of the three that we've rewatched, I think this one really pulls some nice musical notes in it. Agreed. And is really like he does the thing with Lotso Hug a Bear where it has like the harmonica and it sounds like you're on a porch in, in yep. Louisiana or something or Alabama probably more. And I don't um, know. I've never been there. Or maybe Kentucky. Um, wow. Okay. <laughs> actually, Tennessee. Um, but man, he's really pulling it. And then at the end, when they're going down the garbage chute, it's so intense. It's it's really insane. pulling on your heartstrings. There, that's what he's that's what he's playing with. Yeah. That's the instrument. <laughs> that's he's the playing instrument with. of choice. Yeah. Um, it's produced by Darla K. Anderson, who did A Bug's Life and Monsters Inc. As well, you know, you can lean that case. Oh well, um, I don't know how. How do you do that? Like this? How does no, that work? Give it to me. Okay. 
where uh, Jordan got an iPad for Christmas, and I took my notes on it, and I don't know how to use it properly. So here we are. I'm filling up the airwaves because I don't want to have to cut anything, and I'm this is no exception. I'm not going to cut this. I thought I did a great job filling up the airwaves. It's is it distri- working? Yeah. I'm just getting it adjusted. Uh, it's distributed by Walt Disney uh, Pictures, and it's produced by Walt Disney and Pixar. And then we have a couple of cinematographers on this movie, which uh, aren't always listed in the animation stuff. But we have Jeremy Lasky, who did Cars 3. Not a great movie. Looks great, though. Oh, okay. Finding Dory, as well. Wally and Cars, the first one. And then uh, Kim White did Cars 3, as well. And she, those two did the cinematography for this movie. Okay. Which I would love to see, like, a like a Vanity Fair breakdown of how they do their jobs. because they're on, a, just, on an animation movie? Yeah. Yeah. They're just kind of like, I, I guess they're bringing their expertise of like how a real yeah. film camera would react. That's possible. Um, and I can't... Is cinematographer the same thing as a director of photography? Uh-huh. Okay, just making sure. I think there's like probably a technical difference, but okay. that's what it is. Okay. Um, And as a little tease, in Toy Story 4... I watched this video on YouTube that was analyzing one shot in the movie, and they do this thing that you've talked about, which is the double focus thing, and the guy did a whole essay on like why, why Toy Story would do that, because it's not something an animated film has to do, and they You're emulate talking about when the, back and the background and the foreground are both in focus? Yeah, and I, it, it's called something. I forgot what it's called, Why though. do they do it? And uh, Well, it's Toy Story 4. Oh. I'll tell you off mic, though. Okay. Um, it's pretty I love, cool, I love shots like that. They look so cool. <laughs> it's cool. And yeah, I, I, he, he explained how they actually do it. They, well, I'll tell you this part. They, they put two different lenses on the, the camera, and they, they have, if you look on a lot of those the shots. proof that they're real, that Toy Story's real? Yeah, they actually found cool. uh, Woody. Say no, no more. But, but they have Say like no a, more. Okay, all right. Listen in next week to hear more <laughs> about that shot. Um, so comes at Toy Story three comes out June eighteenth two thousand ten. Um, when did you first see this movie? I have plenty more notes, but we don't have to listen to me talk this. Not in theaters with my family. Uh, yeah, it, we thought that this movie came out around the time we were like I was going to college, like right before I was going to college. That's what I thought too. That's I'm that's why I said we, Micah. I know. Um, and then we found out this movie came out in 2010. Mike and I graduated high school in 2012. So I definitely saw it in 2010, mm-hmm. but it must have just still felt really, really specifically relatable to that. Yeah. And we were at an age where, I don't know about you, like I wasn't really playing with toys anymore though. No, So I wasn't either. That's probably another, like why it especially feels that way too. Totally. Because that movie totally. wrecked me. I don't mm-hmm. think I actually cried in theaters, but I mm-hmm. think I was like, why am I not crying right now? That's how it felt. Yeah. And I I saw like the midnight premiere and I just remember it was such a kind of a fun experience. Went with Micah Ratcliffe and um, the, the, the theater was f- completely full and it was, there, there were maybe, I know it was midnight, so there's not going to be a lot of kids anyway, but there was maybe like 10 kids under the age of 15, and I, the rest of them was like 16 to 21-ish oh, that God. were in the theater. And everyone's crying. And everyone's just like, yeah. You know, I just realized I did see Toy Story 2 in theaters because I have a visual specific memory of walking out of the theater and seeing Barbie up there with the smile thing at the end in the credits. Oh, okay. So I have seen, it in, I did see it in theaters. With the smile thing at the end. Remember, she was like, can I stop smiling now? My cheeks oh, are yeah, so bad. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think this movie, Toy Story 3, with the end, it made a really huge impact on, like, what I want to do with my life. Really? Yeah, just because, like, the emotion, like, the way it made me feel was, like, I just hope and pray someday I can do- give someone else that feeling. Like, mm. that's that's how I felt And that's what, what. So that's part of what makes you want to write novels. Or just draw, just like any of yeah. the art stuff that I want to do. That's very cool. Um, box office. The movie has a $200 million budget, and it makes $415,004,880 domestically. Worldwide, it makes $1,066,969,703. So it's in the like 30 or so movies that are over the billion range. 
of all movies it released. Um, that number keeps growing because of... When did 2 come out? 2 came out in, uh, I think, 99. Wow, so it's been a long time. Yeah. Okay. Um, so here's the story on this. Uh, Pixar had a seven-movie deal with all characters created by Pixar. Or with, with Pixar. So they had a seven-movie deal, but all characters that were created in those seven movies were owned by Disney. So Disney thought, hey... We well well they so they own the rights to make sequels, but Pixar owned the right of refusal. So if Disney was like, "Hey, let's make the sequel," um, Pixar could say, "Nah, we're not going to make it." But um, in 2004, Disney and Pixar were looking to split, and they were because they were coming to the end of that seven movie deal, and the negotiations weren't going well. So Michael Eisner. So then Disney was like, "Let's just buy Pixar." Yeah, I think that's about when they bought them, yeah. <laughs> okay. But Michael Eisner, who's the chairman for Disney at the time, put together plans for a new studio called Circle 7, and he was like, we own the characters. They own the right to refusal, but I think that means, like, they don't have to make it. So yeah, he's opening... even though they say no doesn't mean that they can't do it. Yeah, so they own the characters, and they're like, cool, we're going to make Toy Story 3 at Circle 7 Animation Studios. And it's going to be directed by the guy who did Hunchback 2, the Hunchback of Notre Dame 2 directed DVD or directed movie. I don't think I've ever seen that. I haven't either. And the guy who directed Lion King 1.5, Bradley Raymond. And so the one of the first like ideas of the movie. So listener, as as you will note. I am confounded by watching these movies and reading about the production that they turn out to be perfect movies because every single movie, including four, has a troubled production. And yet they still churn out these movies that are perfect. Makes you, it almost makes you think like, maybe you should struggle to (laughs) achieve art. But then it's like, yeah, but The Hobbit came out. And And they really struggled on that production. And that's a nightmare. That's not an absolute truth. No. Um, so the f- one of the first ideas was Andy goes to his grandma's because the house is getting remodeled, and it was going to be a whodunit murder-style movie about the toys trying to figure out who stole them. Not against that. No, I'm not against it either. Um, and then the final version of Circle 7 script would have been a Buzz Lightyear recall where Buzz is shipped to Taiwan and he would have had to meet his replacement, Dax Blaster, who has an accessory cat whose name is Comet, and the toys would have had to go rescue him while they met other recalled toys. Not against that either. I know. Pretty good idea, yeah. actually. Um, that Almost a little surprised that Toy Story 4 wasn't part of, like, didn't have any of those elements. Uh, yeah, yeah. It. Um, and then January 2006, Pixar was bought by Disney, like you were hinting at, and Circle 7 and that movie were scrapped, and Edwin Catmill, Mule, and John Lasseter were in charge of all Disney animation. So, and then, then, yeah, never mind. once Pixar took over, Lee Unkrich said this about the new script for Toy Story 3, which would become the movie that we have all seen, and he said this, quote, not out of spite but we wanted to start fresh and not be influenced by what they'd done previously. We didn't look at any of the work they'd done. We really didn't want to know anything about it. Makes sense. So they did not even like look at the stuff. And you know what? If Let's say that the movie was the recall movie, Mm -hmm. and then we're doing this podcast, and you're saying that a potential movie was them being stuck at a daycare, needing to be taken home. Uh I would have been like, not against (laughs) that one. Yeah, (laughs) I know. The... The potential for the... As long as you just don't do the exact same thing you did before, the potential and is they're, huge. They're, they're different settings every time. That's what's super important, too. Yeah. You can't just have it at Andy's in Andy's room no. for four movies. It's boring. No. Um, and so the director also talked about how he he felt a lot of pressure because up to this point, critically and audience-wise... Pixar had not made a dud, and so he was just kind of like, I don't want to be the first guy and to make the Pixar yet? dud. Cars 2. Oh. The Good Dinosaur is a good movie. Financially, though. But it it was a dud. And then, um, Car- I mean, Cars 3 is good, but it's I thought it's that was whatever. Disney Studios. No, that oh. was Pixar. And then they had to recreate, this is the final note, they had to recreate 
all of the models for the movie because everything was outdated. No, just because that's the way it goes. That's just because. <laughs> yeah. Because of the universe. But seriously, that th- yeah, so once they got there, um, they had to get rid of all of it. So um, that is where we're at. And so now I turn it over to my lovely wife, the the woman of my dreams and the love of my life, to tell you who is in this movie besides the cast that we already know about and who has been in the other two movies. Okay, well, as Micah can probably see that I'm on IMDb and he's hating it, this is where I'm getting my information <laughs> from right now. So, um, Sir H- Lotso, I almost said Sir Hugs a lot. Lotso is the bear's name. Mm-hmm. It's been going through a pretty hard time, people, so cut me some slack. Um, so, Lotso, played by Arth- uh, Ned Beatty, <laughs> <laughs> who plays, who is in Network. Oh, yeah. Which I don't, who is he? He's the, he's the guy who, um, when the main character walks into the room, he, he's like, he does the whole speech and then he's like, see, it's just show and stuff. He like owns the whole network. Oh, I can like kind of see him. He's in it for maybe like 20 minutes, I think, but it's just one of those classic, like just great co-starring roles, you know? Um, he's also in Superman and by Superman, I mean the 1978 version. He's in Deliverance, Shooter. Uh, he is in Shooter. That <laughs> yeah. Okay. Sorry. Rango. He's in Rango. Yeah, he plays Mayor. Cool. Um, why are there two different things? One's probably a video game or something. But uh, yeah. I mean, he's he's been in a lot. He yeah. was born in 1937. I mean, he's he's an all time great. We love him. You yeah. know him. You love him. Ned Beatty, or Ned Beatty. I think it's Beatty. Probably Beatty, because that's how Warren Beatty's name is spelled. Yeah. Um, and then we have Michael Keaton, who plays Ken. Um, and it's kind of like, guys, have you never heard of Michael Keaton? We've already talked about him. We have. And covered him. Go to our Spider-Man and Homecoming episode. He's back in a comedy role. Is this, this would be before Birdman. It is. So this is maybe like the beginning of his kind of like Dramatic. renaissance. Yeah, but also he doesn't really do comedy anymore. Yeah. So it was really fun to see him do comedy because that's where he's based. I mean, he's a comedian, yeah, right? Yeah, that's how he started. So yeah. it, it was fun to see him in a in a funny role. What's great is when he's in dramatic movies, he has really, really good um, comedic timing. Yeah. When when it's needed in a dramatic movie, that's why it's so like, he's just so good in everything. Yeah. Oh, I love Michael Keaton. Weird looking guy. <laughs> I asked my mom once if he was good looking and I think she said yes. Yeah, I think she did weird um and if if you would like if you don't remember or you're new to the podcast in our spider-man homecoming episode we go on a long rant about how he is actually not a good batman or a bruce wayne and if you dispute that go listen to that and then talk to us thank you (laughs) um and then we have timothy dalton who plays mr prickle pants who's the little hedgehog porcupine stuffed animal uh james 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 bond And then I'm trying to find... Oh, there we go. Kristen Shaw, who is Louise and Bob's Burgers. Also, I don't remember her name in Flight of the Concords. Yeah. But she's in that. She's also a main character in Last Man on Earth, but just does a ton... Is incredible voice acting because she just has one of the most unique voices. She has ever. had a really fantastic career. Yeah, it's so great. Um, and then Jeff Garland, who is in Curb Your Enthusiasm, he plays yeah. Buttercup, who is like the plushy unicorn white unicorn um so yeah curb your enthusiasm daddy daycare mm-hmm. you name it he's in it yeah jeff garland and then oh whoopi goldberg yeah she's the octopus oh i couldn't figure that out i only knew why does it not say what her character's name is on here i only knew because i was watching some behind the scenes footage of the actors doing it oh and i'll jump in on this um a little more I didn't know. I I was. I've always been a little bit confused about how voice acting and all that works with animation. So, um, with with this movie at least, and I think what they do a lot of the times, but specifically this one, Lee, the director of the movie, was there for all of yeah. the voice the voice acting, and he's just in the room. It's a pretty large room, actually. I thought it'd yeah. be a smaller, like soundproof room. Oh, yeah. Every and time I've looked up something, there, it's big. Yeah. He's just sitting there, and he's just coaching them. And just like, another line, another line. Okay. And it's it's weird because you're sitting there, and I think Tim Allen was saying, like, you'll do, like, whole days where all you're doing is, like, grunting and breathing. 
So you, all you're doing is just that, and you're not even doing lines and stuff. So you're and just think about it. Vin Diesel being for Groot. I am Groot, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so, so um, all of that, and then, um, and in that, they were just talking about <laughs> like Whoopi Goldberg, and, yeah. and it was just showing all of them doing it, and um, and I guess they don't, at least for this movie, they they didn't have the. He he just is like okay, so this is the scene. This is what's happening, and they don't have the other they actors' lines. They don't have the full script. Yeah. So they're just doing what he's telling him to do, and well, they don't really know what it what's going to happen. Hats off to him. Good now, directing. I'm, I'm sure like Tom Hanks and Tim Allen probably got the full script, so that yeah. they could be like, I want to do it or no, because yeah. they're they're so much a part of it. But yeah, yeah, yeah. the minor characters. Um. Know. So remember how we thought Bookworm was Billy Crystal? Yeah. Who is it? Richard Kind. Oh, which is like, oh yeah, they sound weirdly a lot alike that I've never realized before. Okay, Richard um, Kind is Bing Bong from Inside Out, folks. Yeah, um, also in A Serious Man. Yes. Okay, so you know when you said in the movie the garbage g- guy, and you're like, that's Sid because of the yeah. skull played by the kid who played Sid in Toy it's, Story they did One. The same kid. Yeah, because it's the same. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Eric Von Denton. Wow. Oh yeah, who's the hot guy Josh from Princess Diaries? <laughs> People are for the second time hearing me freak out about that. Um anyway, yeah, they got it, they got him, which means of course they're gonna get Andy. Well, and and which leads me, I'm gonna lead you into this. The director was like, Man, who are we gonna cast as Andy? And he goes, I don't know if like we should call the guy who played Andy in the first two movies, and we should just see. He goes, I don't even know if he acts or anything. And he calls, and the guy didn't pick up. And he heard the voicemail, and immediately when he heard the voicemail, he was like, yep, we have to hire him. Kind of fun. And then the the Andy. For the first movie? No, for this movie. Oh, I thought you meant like that was the kid calling them back for Toy Story 1, and they were just like, all they did was hear his voicemail. And they're like, that's his audition. He's in. Because it's all voice acting. Yeah, well, he called. I'm, I'm joking. I'm, oh, okay. I don't. <laughs> okay, but that's about it. Well, what's that kid's name? Andy. Yeah, I just saw it. It is. Oh, right here, John Morris. John Morris. Cool. So that leads us to the great 2010 perfect movie, Toy Story Three. So we open, and we have this like highly stylized Western animation out in the desert child's aman- imagination sequence which is pretty cool because we've never been in the uh, imagination of what a child thinks about and now that i imagine it was very easy to not very easy but because of the background that that helped the animators a lot yeah i think so but they had a lot of dust and stuff like no, that. no they so. did it was still like really crazy and everything but like if you think about just the background yeah stuff like yeah so th- nice. then we just have a classic like cold open kind of thing where it's Woody trying to stop Mr. Porkchop from doing uh, like getting all these orphans to fall no, off it's of Mr. this cliff. No, it's Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head. Yeah, he's evil. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And um, then it gets to be evil One-Eyed Bart. Porkchop. That's what he calls him. Yeah. One-Eyed Bart. And I think it's Mrs. One-Eyed Bart. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. And um, this whole sequence is just delightful. Per- like all of the movies, they they just know exactly how to introduce the characters. Because mm-hmm. right away you're just like, "There's Woody, there's Jesse, there's Bullseye, there's Buzz," and and like the when the railroad falls off the tracks, and then you see Buzz bring it up. And it's just fun like, to yeah. see some of the characters as bad guys. Like that's how Andy, yeah, played with them. Because of course, when we see him in the movie, they're all great. Like they're all nice, good yeah. characters. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, seeing that he has like Mr. Porkchop, who's ham. And like, Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head. Yeah, as bad guys. And then they launch like the the monkeys to attack them all. It's really funny. And then we kind of zoom out of the imagination and we see it's Andy, of course, and he's playing with the kids. And then it's a the home kids? record. He's with, playing with the kids? Yeah, with the kids. With it's the a, toys. It's toys. With the home recording. Um, it's and it's showing through the years as Andy grows up, and <laughs> already it's like, uh oh, yeah, what are we getting ourselves into? Yeah. The the nostalgic feel, and and as you're looking at the home recordings, as if you're around our age, you're remembering all those home recordings that you have, and like, oh, lost childhood, you know, it's yeah, uh, um, and then you see that he is grown up now, uh, to a degree, I guess. Well, going off to college. 17 years old. Yeah. Well, and, and it cuts to, and this was brilliant. It cuts to all the toys after all that fun. 
and they're in a toy chest and they're like they're like places everybody andy's coming we got the phone and they hide the phone in the toy chest so that like army soldiers had gone and got it so you're already seeing like oh he's the phone is his toy now which is mm-hmm. exactly how it works for everyone this age mm-hmm. um and they put it in there they ring it and they're hoping okay he's gonna open the toy grab them and start playing with them again and he grabs his phone kind of glances at the toys and then he's done yeah and you're like, so this is what this movie's going to be about. Yeah. Okay. And it's kind of like, you know, this has always been coming. Even if they, like, even if they'd never made a three, you know, yeah. it's like, if they keep making movies, they do have to talk about this because especially in Toy Story 2 with Jessie's story, I mean, that's her story, uh-huh. which means that in this universe, that's like, obviously a reality. Yeah. So like, yeah, they had to and do it's, this. It's, it's almost like you're sitting there and you're kind of like, this is where the story does need to go, but please don't go there. <laughs> because it, it hurts too bad. It's too relatable. It makes you think about yourself. Yeah. And it's like, and it not like, it doesn't make you think like, when was the last time I played with my toys? Which it I definitely thought about that. that. It too, definitely yeah. made me think about that when I watched it. But it, that wasn't the reason why I felt sad. Yeah. More than it's, you, you think that when was the last time I played with my toys? Because it's like, oh, to be a kid again. What was that like? Oh, I played with my toys. And and as as growing up, uh, to let you in a little bit, I I just always hoped and pre- pre- like not pretended, but I I hoped that I would always be like the seize the day type to a degree, not in a crazy way, but like the seize the day type and the one who would look back with fondness, but never be like, man, I wish I was back there. But I think it's just a part a part of the human condition. I would say that. I'll- People, I could see people thinking that about you, though. That I, I think you, that you, you have a, you still have that childlike quality in you. Well, I try to retain it. I, I really, I remember being like maybe thirteen, maybe I don't think fourteen, but it's possible. Uh I was playing like make believe, and I just remember thinking this moment of like, when am I going to stop doing this? Well. I will say this when we on Christmas when I was playing with my dog I was going there a little bit. So I I'm still I still dabble. I still dabble. Um but you know I do wish Makes you think for of those stepbrothers, days, you know. With yeah. when they're t- his dad's talking to them and he's like he, he he's telling this story about <laughs> always wanting to be a dinosaur. Always wanting to be a dinosaur. Yeah. And then finally one day his dad his, his dad comes out and is like forget his name but like Bob like get up off the out of the dirt stop being a dinosaur and go go to work and you're yeah. like oh he did this for a long time yeah, yeah i thought that was such a funny joke and then he pretends to be a dinosaur at the mm-hmm. end which is that's maybe like the nail on the head of that movie being a modern masterpiece <laughs> um it's pretty darn good it's good uh anyway so phone and toy chest and uh, they also mention that bo peep is gone and Woody has and a they took very, a moment. They took a moment. They did. Yeah. It now it plays like they had four ready to go. But if you read anything about it, they were definitely like no three is the end until they came up with an, another story. Yeah. Um. And then basically his mom comes in, Andy's mom, and she says, you know, you need to start packing up your room. You're going to college. You need to put stuff in the trash bag. You need to put stuff in the attic. And you need to decide. And and um, and there's that scene. I th- I think it's in that scene where she kind of cries because he's mm-hmm. he's going yeah. away. And that gets me now. That yeah. gets me pretty good. I mean, I was kind of. Did your mom do that to you? I don't think. Well, I never went to college, so no. She thinks I uh, still live there. Oh, that's awkward. <laughs> <laughs> You're married. Um. Yeah, but, I hated going to college. That was yeah, uh that was tough. one of the worst moments of my life, probably. Well, you know, it's crazy. Oh, this is crazy. So, Lori Metcalf, who plays Andy's mom. Oh, wait, let me just, like, people thinking that I hated my college experience. I had a good college experience relatively, but it was saying it by my mom. That's yeah. what, that was the that's what I mean by I hated it. Anyway, yeah. go ahead. Well, I was just thinking that Lori Metcalf has, uh, I mean, I wouldn't say that t- the Toy Story 3 scene is, like, one of the great college send-offs of movies. Um but she, she, so she sends off Andy, and then member in Lady Bird, she sends off Saoirse Ronan. Oh! <laughs> and that scene is heavy. Yeah, because that, 
And she remember yeah. she just kind of like kicks her out, and she's just like she's like okay, whatever. But the and camera then, stays on her until she gets back and around she to the crying. gate. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Did she, she win? Won. She won. Okay. and I'm so glad that she did because it was so good. And I remember looking back, it's like that's a perfect yeah, performance. I saw the movie the first time I think with you. Yeah, and then I saw it again with my mom and my siblings, and I was just being stupid and was really mad that night and like was in a bad mood and being kind of mean before we saw the movie so then uh-huh. we're at the movie and that scene's happening and i just lose it because one it's just like why am i why was i such in a bad mood it was just for really petty reasons yeah and then it's making me think of when i my mom took me to college and like sent me off dang and gosh i cried so hard maybe i should see little women yeah greta gerwig knows how to get it done she does and everyone's saying that it's better than the book did you hear that well i've never read the there book. there are articles coming i didn't either but there are articles coming out saying why late why Lady oh, I, Bird, uh, why Little Women is better than the book. I'm now. just saying no because people yeah. never say that. That's true, especially classics like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we see Sid the Garbage Man, and he's in a skull shirt. And I was like, is that Sid? And it now is. We confirm it is. Um, and and there's a, there's a whole mix up where Andy takes the toys that we know and love puts them in a trash bag, puts them by the attic and through like coincidence, they get moved and Andy's mom takes them and puts them in the curb. Cause she doesn't know. Oh, but before that, Oh wait. And then he does put Woody in his college bag, but no one else. And it's kind of cool too. I think they did a really good job with Jesse. Cause you know, in toy story two, she had a lot of anxiety over like being put away and never being played with again, which is her anxieties are the same in this movie because why would it change? Mm-hmm. And she's freaking out. And I'd, I'd say it's nice that throughout this movie, um her her it has changed to like accepting that yeah. and that's okay because of who she's with now yeah anyway don't i don't want to gloss over that yeah no no that's good. that's good um and so then we have then then the toys after a little bit they don't do they do they like they they fall into the trash woody goes to save him and he's like no andy didn't put you there and they're like you're lying but uh woody and you're thinking to the toys, you're like, you got to believe Woody. He- they all jump into the box that's going to go to the daycare. Yeah, and so then they, yes, that's what happens. Um, and and uh, Woody, Woody, yeah. yeah, as they're driving there, Woody's like, hey, we can hide under the seat, then we can all get back to our spots, because he loves Andy. And Andy, did you, you probably said it, but Woody was put into the college box. I did say that earlier. Okay. Um, but yeah, so the but the toys are like we're not going to get played with. Even if you aren't lying to us, Woody, or even if you that is what's going to happen, we're just going to be put in the attic and just gather dust. And so then they get to the the daycare and it's like this utopia. Mm-hmm. And Lotso Hugga Bear comes out and he's got this nice southern draw, which you can tell now not to bring up Kevin Spacey, but Kevin Spacey totally uh, his character Frank Underwood from House of Cards is a hundred percent based off of Ned Beatty, like no doubt in my mind. After oh, watching was that guy this actually movie. Southern? Yeah, he is. Okay, so um, I know I've seen him in a lot. I just don't like. Yeah, remember. so he totally like uh, did. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I, that, this has nothing to do with that. I'm just I just made that connection, and I'm like, oh, this this is like it sounds like Kevin Spacey's character from that, which gives it a weird. You you have to forget that at least for me because well, I'm it makes like, sense. Ugh. He's the bad guy, huh? <laughs> yeah, I like I like that they don't hold that for too long. They don't try to pretend like he's a good guy for too long because it is a Toy Story movie. Well, you find out you find out right away that it's all wrong. Yeah, when they get sent to the other daycare room. Yeah, and it's and it's like we've already had the the pretty long one with the prospector where you find out at the end, and it's kind of like let's not do that exact thing again. Um. So and and kind of I think in four, the the one doll she's just immediately like bad pretty much. I mean there After might like be a one couple. Scene. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then this and this scene is when Ken and Barbie meet, and Ken has a dream yes. house. Yeah, and it's just instant love. You do the Dreamweaver needle drop, which just kills me every time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we just had a needle drop of our own. Okay. And we see we see Bonnie. We meet Bonnie. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I oh this part kind of blew my mind as Lotso is um, showing all the toys where they can go. He uh, he looks. He shows them a repair shop where yes. where they can get stuff yeah. fixed. And there is an elephant in there who's yeah. getting stuffed. 
Yeah. With more stuffing, and he sneezes, and all the stuffing goes everywhere. And when I'm watching that, and especially at the time, like people were not animating things to that level of detail. Oh, this movie, and I know that if we watched it side by side with four, there would be a noticeable difference. I don't notice a difference in it. Looks so amazing. This movie. Yeah. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. Four is noticeable though. Yeah, I, well, I know, I know, because each one of them get more noticeable. But it, it's just like I don't, I don't know. It looks really freaking good. And, well, one of the one of the best things they did about the series, and I don't know how they did this, but each one the animation is like miles above the previous one. I mean, every single movie. Yet somehow the characters are so cohesive. They just made them like so iconic and and would only add detail rather than redesign, except for the exception being Bo Peep, who they redesigned. But but she had like time mm-hmm. and they were able to kind of like do what they wanted with that. Um, I don't know how they pulled that off. Yeah, I don't know. It's really weird because I would think that it would be like uh, like Mad Max. When you go to like the new one, it looks absolutely different from the other That's three. a whole different thing though it totally because it is a, it, i know it's still george miller but it it it, do, it did kind of feel like a reboot oh yeah you know well maybe a better example would be star wars there you go like the there is a cohesive like language in yeah. the camera movements but when you look at each trilogy they it's vastly different yeah yeah, yeah. um wow that was so smart micah is what oh, jordan just brother. said brother um, <laughs> and this is the day the po- podcast will end. <laughs> no, it'll never end. We'll do it until we die. Okay. Um, and okay. So this is when the series also starts dealing with the independence of toys. I don't want to watch that movie. What movie? I'm deciding right now. Oh, Hustlers. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, we can talk about it off mic. We can talk I about mean, it right now. Well, you don't have to watch it. And I also don't have to watch it. If you'd rather I didn't watch it. Okay, we're looking at... She's really looking at not into that picture. Yeah, yeah, the stills don't look great. It does look very sexual, but the story that's looks a, that's so interesting. the movie where the trailer came out, and I'm like, okay, give me the book. I'll read the book. Right, I remember you saying that. It, yeah. And Sorry I, to bring it up right now. No, no, that's fine. And I definitely... I don't have to watch it if that would... That's fine if I don't have to. Marriage. Yeah, marriage. It's about <laughs> compromise. <laughs> um. So, <laughs> so okay. So this is when the series kind of starts dealing with independence of toys and okay. like toys, um, like a society. Well, because as we know, we're gonna find out like Bo Peep just lives on her own and she's like her own toy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and in this, they're they're kind of like we can be our own toys. Kids will still play with us, and then at the end of the day, we we're not like owned by anyone. Kind uh-huh. of an interesting idea. Um, and what I, what I really like about the series as a whole, again, and we talked about it when we were watching it, is that Woody never loses his selfishness in yeah. the series. And he still, cause I would think if I was writing these, I think I would fall into the trap of like, okay, we spent two movies with Woody. Now he's an infallible character. Him and Buzz are like, perfect. We'll make everyone else like the jerks. Or no whatever. more character development. But it's like from the perspective of the other toys, he's saying, okay, let's break out of this really quick and I'll save you. Yeah. But you know what's crazy is Woody makes the decision by the end of the movie, not Andy. When uh, Woody, Woody puts himself into that box, not Andy, when he gives oh, everything yeah. to Bonnie. Because it's like oh, Andy, yeah. Andy was still going to give, was take, still going to take Woody, take Woody to college. Yeah. Um, but throughout the movie, that was his character. It's like, yeah, he's loyal to Andy and that's like, probably one of his best qualities is his Mm -hmm. loyalty to the kid that that owns him but like this was a moment this was like a part in this movie where it's like you need to know when is enough like it is over and you need to accept it and that's what he's unwilling to accept the whole movie yeah is that they're not going to be andy's anymore because it's Mm -hmm. like they're what everyone else is saying is right it's just like we're going to sit in an attic who cares right so it it's it's just an interest. It's a yeah. He, they did character development with him. Oh yeah. I don't know about Buzz, but with Woody, definitely. Yeah, I. Well, I can't remember off the top of my Buzz, head. Buzz, right this now. is I the third movie in a row that they've like changed his identity at, for a laugh, which I'm fine well, with. But here's what's kind of cool about it is like it's been a consistent theme. And in in every movie, he has something like that. But it it does help with his character, I think. 
Because in the first one, he's grappling with... Well, it moves... It, it affects the plot. It's not just for laughs. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, if, if we're going to go down there, uh, <laughs> in the first one, it, it does... It affects, like, his existence. He yeah. doesn't know how he exists. You yeah. Know? In, the th- in the second one, he he finds out that he's not unique. Yeah. And then in the third one, he becomes Spanish Buzz. And well, he... Like, like, other toys reprogrammed him. Yeah. So for, I'd say, like, half of the movie, he's not Buzz, which I think it, it's just for the plot. Yeah, I guess this that. one's a little more plotty. But then in the... But it's fine. I mean, that's what they needed his character to do, and I don't yeah. think there's a problem with it. No. And then in the fourth one, he has, like, the conscience. If anything, I think it, it's cool that they did that because it gave Jesse room to grow because uh, she's a great character, yeah. and she's a really strong character. And I wonder if at any point it was hard to write both of, like, all three of them. Yeah. In, in a script because yeah. they're also, and it's a kid's movie, only like have like an hour and a half. So it makes sense to me. Yeah. Um, and so then uh, Woody escapes, but his hat stays there, which will come back later. So then all the toys hide in the preschool room. Or no, so they're all put in the preschool caterpillar room. Yeah. And Lots is like, you're going to love it. And they're so excited. And the bell's about to ring, and they're just lying in the middle of the floor. And all the other toys that have been at Sunnyside are underneath, like, hiding. And they're shaking. I think it's Jesse that discovers them, too. And maybe some others. And she's just kind of like, oh, something's wrong. I remember um, Rex is just running up to the door. And he's like, I'm ready. And she's (laughs) like, no. (laughs) Because it's a bunch of just, like, two-year-olds. Yeah, and they like paint them, stick them in their nose. They do so funny. All what a this crazy funny stuff. sequence! And then Buzz like gets thrown up onto a shelf, and he sees into the other playroom where the other toys are, and mm-hmm. it's like maybe four to five year olds. Yeah, and they're like very gentle and soft with all of the toys and loving. Yeah, and and then and then as we'll progress on, as we you know once once they go, so so Buzz decides that they all decide like we are not age appropriate for these kids we need to be in the other room so buzz tries to request a transfer he s- finds out about this secret meeting that's in this concession um what are those called those oh vending machine vending machine and uh the lighting in that room is crazy yeah cool. super cool um throughout they d- they're just great at the thing that we say is like our number one pet peeve about marvel where it's like a lot of the scenes just look the same yeah in toy story it's always different yeah love that if you're writing a story or a script think about changing the location or just the color palette yeah all of that stuff yeah yep because it it makes such a difference um and so he finds out about like a background meeting and basically he finds out that it's this (laughs) which is so crazy to put i'm kind of befuddled by this whole thing where they put like this whole narrative about class structures into this movie. And we were trying to figure out like what government system it might be imitating, but but we kind of just landed on it just being about class. And and it's this like the rich, not the rich, but the upper class like ruling the the lower class, the working man and the working man having to like do all of his stuff so that society will function and kind of bite the bullet so society will function even if maybe they were meant for other things. And you're kind of like, in a toy store, like in a kid's movie we're dealing with this, and it's actually pretty concise, and it it does get the point across. Pretty simple. To me, it reminds me of like communism, just because of that idea of like, oh, we can share everything, everything's going to be great, and then it winds up just being the working class, and then when when they try and do something different, they're thrown into prison, because it's easier to do that than not, and then to deal with it and try and fix the system. Um, very interesting. Meanwhile, uh, good old Woody is at Bonnie's house because she picked him up. There's a Totoro. Yeah. There's a Totoro. What's more to say? He looks soft and I want to hug him. (laughs) I was hoping he was going to say something in Japanese, but as Jordan... Totoro doesn't talk. Yeah. She pointed that out, so that's good. Totoro, Totoro. If you haven't seen Totoro, my neighbor Totoro, wow. (laughs) Wow, that's, that's a good movie. That is a good, good movie. Um, so, I like that. Uh, so, pretty much what he's like, I got to get back and save them. And they're like, why would you go back there? Bonnie's toys. Why would you do yes, that? Yes, and this that, is when so Chuckles. And, yeah, so it's like, he's like, well, why wouldn't I? What's so wrong about it? Because Woody hasn't seen any of the stuff because he left. And um, Chuckles the Clown, 
cool character design. Very cool character he, design. He uh, has a history with Lotso. And he's got a really cool, like, looking off into the distance of the night sky as he tells his story. Yeah. And saying that him and Lotso were owned by the same girl, Daisy, as well as the creepy baby. Um, but was not creepy at the time that Daisy owned it. Um, so they were all owned by this girl. And Lotso was her very favorite toy. And everything was happy. She took them everywhere. What? Oh, my gosh. The guy who plays Lotso? Do you know who he is? You mean... I mean, Chuckles? No, I guess I forgot to look that up. Oh, wait. I guess he only did it in one. Oh, I... So he has played Eeyore before. Not in, like... Not in the original, but in some of them. So Brad Garrett. No, uh... (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) Bud Lucky is his name. And he's Uh, also... Bud Lucky? You got a cool name. He's also the agent in The Incredibles that is replaced later by uh, Jonathan Banks. Oh. So in the first movie... Did he die? Yeah, he died. Um, and he's he in, was cool. He's in Sesame Street. He's Donnie Bud. He's the Alligator King, Candyman. Wow, what a cool career. Yeah, not a lot of stuff, but um, I mean, hopefully well, enough to get by. he's on Sesame Street, probably took up a lot of his time. Yeah, Bud Lucky. So Bud Lucky, a.k.a. Chuckles, um, mm-hmm. the clown... So Lotso was Daisy's favorite. And then she, yeah, so she would take him everywhere. And one day she took him outside doing a family picnic, it looks like, and she left him there. And they, not, not by, not on purpose, by accident, by accident. left Lotso, Chuckles the clown, and the baby. And they had to walk all the way home, which took a long time. Yeah. They're toys, people. Took them a long time. Yeah. So then they, they the, make the it. The colors in this sequence are so cool. The field reminds me a lot of Jesse's um, mm. thing, and I feel like that's on purpose. It just has a like, like a, a, a familiar feeling, like, like this weird nostalgia or something. So then when they make it home, it's, it's dark. I mean, it's been a very, it's been like, you're assuming days, maybe a week yeah. or something. And you can just imagine this girl, Daisy, it's a little girl. She's probably bawling her eyes out the whole time. This could have only been two days. Uh-huh. And her parents are like, we got to get her to calm down. Just buy her another bear. So when they get back, he lots is all excited, gets up to the window to get back inside and see that she is another Lotso bear. And this is one of, I just, I love when they, they show like bad guy backstories yeah. Sometimes it's not always necessary. We're not supposed to have sympathy. This one you have a lot. I feel like I got sympathy for this guy. But so you see that he sees her and then he's just like, this is it. We're leaving. And Chuckles is like, and Chuckles and the baby, they're like, well, we can still go in there. And he's like, no, she's forgotten about us. But it's, she's only forgotten about Lotso. Yeah. Because she already has another one. And his, I mean, it's like great animation because if this was live action and the acting was done as well as the animation in terms of um, uh, facial expression, it is like nailed perfectly. How it goes from like happiness, surprise, shock to anger, like Uh within a span of two seconds. And they just walk away and they find themselves at the preschool. By this time, it's like pouring rain. Um, And and they... As I have been harping on, which maybe I shouldn't be so much, but they are influenced by horror once again that they've already kind of referenced with the children. Yeah. But now there's like lightning and like Sunnyside looks like an asylum. Yeah. It looks very scary. Yeah. Which you once should again, think about horror. it that way. There's because horror in all they four. didn't come there on good circumstances, under yeah. good circumstances. Um, so because of what Lotso has gone through, he... Um, totally changes the way Sunnyside is run. Uh And that's why the daycare is run the way it is now. And Chuckles got away because Bonnie took him home. Yeah. And then this is when they decide they have to do the breakout. Yeah. So. Which is really complicated. I'm glad. I think it was really funny. Mr. Potato Head becoming a tortilla. Yeah. Hilarious. Yeah, let's just hit the highlights of the breakout. Yeah, so that part was really funny. The monkey horror, very scary. Oh, yeah, the monkey Who runs was the security really camera. scary. And then Barbie... We, we actually, I think we both jumped when we were watching it because yeah. we were like, ah! It was scary. And then Barbie has to, like, coerce information out of Ken, and there's a really fun, like, runway fashion... To, uh, the, to the freak out. Yeah, of him trying on all the outfits, which I remember was <laughs> yeah. such a big laugh moment for me the when I saw it in theaters. And there was a scene where he like twirls and it goes slow motion and the tassels go in the yeah. air. <laughs> and I remember in 3D, I was like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that happens. That's very funny. Damn, Ken, you are pulling that off. <laughs> <laughs> and then 
Um, they they need to make it to the chute, which just goes to the dumpster. That's their ticket out of there. Yes. Without being detected. So they make it all the way there. And Buzz is now Spanish. Buzz is now Spanish Buzz. Um, and they make it there, but right as they get there, Lotso's there. Yeah. And, so, and before we continue, I just want to point out that I think one, what, what is so smart about this movie is that they, they do actually spend a good amount of time on the breakout and like setting yes. that up. Yeah. And we're it, covering a lot, like a good chunk of time in like two minutes. And, and it does feel like it almost feels kind of, to me, kind of classic, like, like they're influenced by maybe the great escape and stuff like that. And it just, it brings a new genre to the film so that, that it does feel apart from the other two mm-hmm. movies. And I like, I like, uh, for in this situation, because it is a kids' movie and they're they're not that long, uh-huh. that they don't explain what they're gonna do, they just show you what they're gonna do uh-huh. when when they're doing it. Yeah, it makes it more entertaining and like, <gasps> what's gonna happen? Yeah, yeah and it's also kind of like the Steven Soderbergh like Ocean's Eleven feel, you know, yes. where it's just like, oh, 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 yeah, totally. Um, so yeah, so Lotso and his uh, gang get there right as they get to the dumpster. But then you have this moment where um, Woody has the little Daisy, like her name tag that was on Lotso that broke off. Yeah, because it was a, like it. Was, oh, Chuckles had her. You know, one of the, mm. one of the. Oh no, Chuckles, Chuckles did, have, did it. have it. And uh, Lotso's Too bad like, Chuckles wasn't in four. I love Chuckles. So good. Um, but then so Lotso's is like, where did you find that? You know, he throw Woody throws it at him, and um, it's just such good acting and animation <laughs> yeah. acting with Lotso because. It, it affected him so deeply that he's just, he responds with anger again. In denial. Did anger and denial, like without question. Yeah. And just like smashes it. And the baby, who was also Daisy's baby. Who's, who's, that's what it's from, is the baby, I think. Oh, you're right. That is what yeah. it's from. Um, the baby pushes Lotso into the dumpster and you're like, yay, they're going to get away because now Lotso's gang is not for him anymore. Uh, and then, like, right uh, as they're escaping, uh, Woody gets in the dumpster. He latches onto Woody. It's Woody, right? Yeah, Lotso grabs Woody's yeah. because so, because the, the one of the aliens gets stuck yes. in the dumpster. So therefore, what do you think is going to happen? All of them go in the dumpster, yeah. which means all of them get taken to the dump. And um, I wonder how hard this was to animate this whole sequence, well, so or if it was easy. I can speak to that a little bit. Um, I didn't dig too deep, but basically, with Pixar throughout the years, at least especially those first like twenty years, they they basically when they wrote a story. They, for the purpose of the story, they've always claimed that it's not just to break new barriers every time. They would always be like, oh, it's Finding Nemo. We have to figure out how to animate water. Oh, it's cars. How do we animate stuff that has shiny reflections? So for this, they had to go, how do we animate garbage that has literally thousands and thousands and thousands of pieces and it look good and not have to hand animate it all because it's impossible and we'd never finish the movie. So they had to like, I think it's the software that that like randomizes and makes it for you like once you animate a few i i believe i'm I hope not so, totally positive sake. about that but they invented some new I, technology the, for especially that. the end when the the claw like takes them out and that dumps them on the ground and you see it's all, like the trash has all been like smashed yeah and stuff at that point so it it doesn't really look like anything anymore and i was like looking at all the different textures because yeah. I, was, I was seeing if they did it. Yeah, and yeah. There are a lot of different textures. But it is kind of like undi- unidentifiable, but also it would be because it's like gone through a shredder. Yeah. The, yeah, and what's sad about this sequence is, and, and totally removing myself from like the illusion, uh, or putting myself into the illusion of like I'm watching a story, is it's just so sad that Woody saves Lotso because he has something stuck on him. And then when he goes up and he has the opportunity to stop the trash, he just says, nah, and walks away. And that's so sad. I know. It's just like, okay, he's redemption. not going to change. Which, being the bad guy, we it's like, okay, I'm not going to sympathize with you. Like, you can't. Yeah. Anymore. You know what I mean? Because he's not willing to do it himself. Yeah. Um, but he ends, he ends up ge- being picked up by Sid, garbage boy. Yeah. And put onto his, the front of his truck. Yeah. And, and, and they, we haven't even talked about the, the sequence where they're all, just get to it. Get to it. Yeah. So they're going down the trash chute. There's fire. The fire looks great too. Yeah. And they're going like, how are we going to get out of this? And they're trying to claw claw and get their way out. And then they all start grabbing hands. 
and and the the like expressions on. But their you know faces what's crazy is devastating in terms of the story. Like the whole story is just about accepting their fate. So Andy wanting them to be in the attic. Oh, that, like they just need to accept that that is where Andy has put them now. That's good. So this is like this is when their characters change. Like this is the the actual climactic moment of yeah. like they have chosen to accept their fate. Yeah, you're wow. right. And Epiphany. so they choose to accept it. And earlier, brilliantly, mm-hmm. because they're n- it's not out of nowhere, the aliens were like, the claw, and ran off on their own. Yeah. They got the claw. They saved them. Doesn't feel like it. I know it's sort of a duex machina, but it doesn't. Pretty funny, it's though. like an earned duex yeah, machina. Yeah, yeah. And they save them. And then um, we cut to Andy. Well, I don't. There's stuff in between. Yeah. Andy gives his toys to Bonnie. But and they they play with them, so he play plays with them. with them one more time, and it's kind of heartbreaking. Yeah, the score is amazing, and Bonnie's liking the toys. She's thinking this is fun, and then uh, and she's then he most reaches excited in. about Woody. Yeah, she says something about she's like Woody. my cowboy, and then he pulls out Woody, which he hadn't put in the box. So Woody did choose to be there, like you said earlier, yeah. and then he at first it's it's amazing. She reaches for it, and he pulls back. Kind of in like surprise slash like anger, and then he gives it to her. It's just like another good animating know, <laughs> acting is this expression comes over his face where he's like, "This is time." Yeah, because it probably went through his head. He's just gonna sit on a shelf wherever I take him now, but this yeah. little girl's gonna play with him. Yeah, so he gives it to her, and then that's the end of the movie. And then over the credits, Ken writes a letter to Barbie about how Sunnyside is better now. Yeah. But uh, the ending is just so powerful and it feels so complete that I think everyone everywhere, when they were like, okay, we officially announced Toy Story 4, we all had a collective sigh of like, ooh, money grab. I know, because this really was This is the it. end. This is the also, end. Also, you know, we like things in threes. so We do like threes. But it, it just did feel like... Okay, what what do they really have something else? And I remember like reading interviews where like Tom Hanks is like the but but Toy Story 4 I was crying at the end and stuff and I'm like, "Well, we were all crying at the other one." Like, come on. You and, have to say that, Tom. And then in June of this year, well, last year yeah. they came out with 4, and we're going to cover that next week. So as far as it goes now, this is a perfect series. You're gonna. I know. I already said that, that it continues to be perfect, but you're gonna find out next week if we think it's perfect. Um. Thanks for listening, everybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you have anything else to say? No. Are you sure? Yeah. Okay. Um. We have moved the release date to the album. It's gonna be March thirteenth, and we're still. It's gonna be March thirteenth. Yes. Should it not be? Oh, Friday thir- the thirteenth. Well, like the next day, we're celebrating my mom's birthday, like a big party. I guess that's oh, fine. It's a I, Friday, right? Yeah. Should I move the date? No, it's probably fine. Okay. Let me talk to. Okay, my listeners, dad. we'll wait till next week. Forget I said. Tentative anything. March thirteenth. I'm gonna cut marriage all this lesson out. communication. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna cut all that oh, out okay. probably. Okay. Maybe I won't though. Maybe it's funny. Uh. If you go to patreon.com slash Micah McCaw, you can sign up to get your uh, podcast on Monday instead of Friday. So you get it Whoop. early. And um, you you also get like extra things. Whoop. So check that out. Even if you're unsure, check it out. It's a monthly thing. As small as $5 not? a month. We got five now. I want to get to 10 because once we get to 10, you guys choose what series we cover next. So whatever series we're on, we're just going to... I don't want to decide. I don't want to decide either. But whatever series we're on, we're just going to stop. Well, we'll finish that series, and then we're just going to do yours no matter what. So get on there. And I'm going to say it it right now so that no one can find a loophole in the system. If if you get to 10 patrons, they can't choose any of those franchises that we talked about that we'll never do, like Saw. Yeah, there or are Halloween. there are a couple that we will veto. Okay, yeah. I'll tell you that because if you're like do the entire Godzilla series, I don't want to spend the next three years talking about every Japanese Godzilla movie. Yeah, that we, we, we have it. Have on, we're saying it on it. record. <laughs> we have to approve it. But there's plenty of stuff. There's some weird stuff out there. There are some huge franchises that we think are horrible, and I think you'd like to hear us rag on. There's some great franchises that I think you'd like to hear us freak out about. 
So do it. Pull the trigger. Thanks. We love you guys, though. Even if you don't do it, it's okay. Yeah. We love you anyway. <laughs> See you next time. <laughs>